0: to see you here with us this morning. I want to welcome you to Stratford Heights, our mid-morning service. I'm telling you, we're looking forward. I'm excited with anticipation to what God's going to do in this service this morning. Man, I don't know if you've been with us these past couple days, but we have had some powerful services. And this morning, there's already a sweet presence in this house. This sanctuary's been filled with prayer this morning. It's been filled with praise. It's been filled with His Word. And if you've come hungry this morning, he has a word for you. Amen. He's got an on-time word for you. So if you join with me this morning, if you stand to your feet, if you turn to your neighbor, tell him he has a word for you this morning. Greet them, give them a hug and welcome them to the church. back to your seats this morning. As I said, I have personally been ministered to. The powerful word that we've received these past few days has my head spinning and I'm so excited for what God's doing. Thankful for what he's doing here with every one of us at Stratford Heights. We're thankful for the ministry and the word that he's brought to us through Perry Stone. Most of all this morning. Gary always says about that presence, that sweet presence, we're thankful that he's already here waiting for us this morning. Amen. See, because aside from everything that we receive, it's not about what we get, it's about what we've come to give. See, and we've come to honor him this morning, and His word says in Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. How many here know that He wants to be found by you this morning? Wants to be found by you, and it says, "Call on Him while He is near." And if I understand His word correctly, I remember reading a scripture that says that He is at the door of our heart. He's not. So the question is: Are we going to open our hearts this morning? Are we going to allow Him to come in this morning? We're going to receive Him this morning. And are we going to pour out our praise to him this morning? So let's lift our hands in this place and let's welcome the one we've come this morning to worship. Let's open our hearts. Just pour out love offering of praise this morning. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful, Lord, that you would already be here in this place, Lord. That your presence would already be here waiting for us this morning. Lord, and we've come to this place hungry, Lord. We've come to this place, Lord, because we want to get into your presence. Lord, and we need a word from you this morning, Father. We ask that you would speak an on-time word to us this morning so that we can learn from your word, Lord, and that we can understand it, and that we can apply it in our lives so we can be in that place, Lord, that we're walking in your will and that we could receive all that you have stored up for us, Lord, but better yet, that you can get everything through us that you've always wanted to get through us in a time that we're here to serve you, Father. We honor you this morning. We love you this morning, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive our praise. And the church says, amen. Let's praise him this morning. Let the
1: family of God give him praise. Give him praise right now. God, we are here expecting. We have come expecting. Give him a shout of praise. We praise you, Lord. I'm ready. Because you're the Savior! is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. Sing it with us. I'm filled with the Lord is my shepherd. Sing it. He goes before me. He goes before. He's the defender. (laughs) He don't let anybody sneak up on you. that victory this morning.
2: He says, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you all the way to the very end of the age. Hallelujah. He orders the steps of his righteous. You belong to the Lord. He's engraving you in his palm. He's got you right in the middle of his heart. You're the apple of his eye. You don't know who you are this morning. You got to lift up your hands and honor the God who loves you, the God who causes you to know victory. Hallelujah. I am not alone. Hallelujah.
1: He's my comfort always.
2: He always holds me close. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord! Oh, strong and mighty, come on, call it out. It's the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Yeah. Hallelujah!
1: Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, lift up your head,
2: Woo. lift up your head. The enemy comes in, the Bible says, and you got to set several different ways he either comes in like a flood or he comes in and like a flood the Lord lifts up a standard against it he's got you somebody needs to hear that right now before we go any further in the service he's got you he knows where you are and he's got your victory for you while we were singing you were thinking oh that's for that person and that one over there and but no you see where it's, it's my victory how many of you know it's your victory it's my victory say it out loud one good time my victory say it again my victory in the name that is above every name the name the one and only omnipotent omnipresent lord mighty in battle in the name of jesus christ Amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. Come on, you can do better than that. We're talking about the king, mighty, glorious, and strong in battle. Hallelujah. Turn to about three people, shake their hand real quick, say, man, it feels good in the house of God today. Amen, amen. I saw some of you making dinner plans. It was just to say hi. Welcome, welcome. Have we not been in church this weekend? My, how the Lord is blessed and touched in every service. I'm tempted, though, to do something I ought not to do, and that's that I've I've had this thing going over and over in my head that I'm going to kidnap Perry Stone. We'll lock him up in the gym and just feed him every day. What a man of God. Amen. Have you enjoyed Perry Stone and Perry Stone Ministries with us? Amen. Obviously the church thanks you and I want to tell you this pastor thanks you. You have poured into me. Brother Sarge and I talked about going back to the hotel and he was going to go study and I was going to go study. He said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to study for next Sunday. I'm getting ready. I love leaving a service and being challenged in the word of God. Challenged to a deeper look to a better revelation. Sometimes we can treat the word and treat the grace, and treat the relationship we have with God careless of it. Well, this week, our eyes have been refreshed and our minds have been renewed. I believe they call a meeting like this revival. And we've had it. Amen. I want to thank him and his team, the wonderful team. They don't get a whole lot of attention. But I want the team members, if they would, stand real quick. We want to thank you all for being so faithful. You've been here every service sir thank you i see visitors with us today they they i don't think i've ever officially met them but i know them because i stalk them on facebook jane mitten and her husband would you guys stand we want to welcome you today thank you for being with us god bless you from solid rock church we know them and i think they've ministered several different churches they they have literally been in ministry Several different places, but what I know you best for, Sister Jana, is essential oils. I've watched some of your videos and I buy essential oils. You sold me. But we're glad to have you with us today. Thank you for being here. And wow, I want to thank my spiritual father, the man who raised me in faith, my former pastor and spiritual father of this church, Brother Lane Sargent, for being with us all throughout this meeting. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. And I want you to know, I was an 18-year-old boy that walked in the back door of Harlan Park Church. Didn't know anybody. I didn't have a rich father and mother. I didn't have connections in the church or the church of God. I didn't know anybody. This this man, this pastor and his wife, his family, they took in an 18-year-old and raised him like a son. And I appreciate that. I would pray at the church and I'd hide up in the balcony and I'd listen to him pray. And I can still remember the the times that I would hear him wailing in that altar and he taught me how to pray. He taught me how to preach. As I said earlier, I'm still learning, I'm still getting better, but uh, one of the greatest preachers I know. But he's a spiritual father to many of us here. I'm being one of them and I'm thankful. When we were having Perry Stone, I got, I must admit, Brother Stone, I got a little nervous having you. You're a TV preacher. You're pretty famous. So I got a little nervous. I said, Brother Sergeant, get in the car and come up here. (laughs) So he's helping us. He's hosting, helping us host this conference this weekend. I want him to greet you.
3: Thank you, Pastor. What a joy it is to be here. Not just with you, but with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your comments. It's a grand privilege to be your spiritual father. Because I know that God is using you to raise up a church that's going to impact what God wants to do in this community, in this area. You believe that? Give this man a hand. obedient. Thank you for allowing God to use you. Thank you, Perry Stone, for coming in 1984 as a little young man, just been married too long, had you? He hadn't been married long. And that's when I told you I called and said, come on up here and the Lord's going to heal you. And Pam told me when she got here, she said, I didn't know who you were, but I didn't like you. I said, you like me now? The Lord healed him, okay? The great thing that happened in five nights Oh, the first part of that revival, we had 57 people baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's why he was here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. What an honor. Stratford Heights, I love you. God bless you. There is nothing ahead for you but great things.
2: I also quickly reminded him that I was a young man then, and I was his driver to his hotel when he was at Harlem Park in 1984. So we go way back. He just didn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) But my, have we been ministered to. And so as our ushers are coming, I want to challenge you this morning to bless the one who's brought the blessing. The Word of God that has transformed and changed and renewed us, has ministered to us every service. I've already filled up half of a notebook full of notes. Excited for this service today and for one more this evening. So be here at 6 o'clock and get here early so you can get a seat. But we're so blessed. And so I want you this morning as you've come and I know you're faithful to pay your tithe and thank you for your pledges to love my church. Hey, in just a couple of weeks, we're at $125,000. So we're off to a good start. Off to a good start. Thank you for your gifts and your pledges. Uh, We're believing, you know, he mentioned the other evening, I said this in the first service, he said something about a gift. And and he said, Lord didn't love him any less than he loved these other preachers that had received major gifts. And God ended up blessing him with millions of dollars of gifts and donors. And I sat there on the pew and I said, but Lord, you don't love me any less than you love Perry Stone. So I'm asking for 4 million this morning. (laughs) Amen. A testimony that encourages me and inspires me to pray for more. To pray for the best. And so we're asking you today to do your best. I want you to give in our loose offering today. It's all going to go to our our evangelist. And so we're thankful that he's here. And I want you to show him thankfulness by your gifts today in our offering. So let's do that as we dedicate it all to the glory and honor of God. Father, we come to you. We're so thankful for your hand on every service that has taken place in this church, for every life that has been transformed and changed, for those that have come in decision to make you their savior. We thank you for those who were saved, those who have been touched and filled with your spirit, those who have been challenged. We thank you yet for what's to come. We give you honor for Perry Stone and the Perry Stone Ministries. We ask you, Lord, now to let us be a part of not just giving an offering, but Lord, perhaps even meeting a need they have Let us be used today as we give to the glory and honor of our Savior, our God, in Jesus' name, amen.
4: song. put your hands together, clap them in praise for what
1: He is. Amen.
4: Amen. Amen. Bless His name. Thank you, choir and uh, musicians. What a tremendous anointing they have. I've seen I've seen churches where they had to. Slowly get the cart of the anointing in the building. Slowly move it up the hill. Uh, this, this group just starts out with fire. <laughs> they really do. I'm not saying that. They really do. Okay. God bless you. You can have a seat there. And just two or three quick things before I minister. One is that tonight at 6, uh, for some reason, I have never understood this. I've always liked Sunday night services growing up. They were my favorite. But Sunday night gets crazy, okay? So I just want to warn you in advance. They always call Sunday night, I say they, we started saying this when Dina Ruzzo said it, Perry Stone Unleashed. <laughs> but I was sitting here in first service and there is something very unique that I will show you from the word. And I'm going to show you where we are too spiritually and prophetically. And where it's going. And if you have a friend who says the Holy Spirit's manifestation ceased with the completion of the New Testament or in the 4th century, somewhere in there, if they believe that. And there are tens of thousands of people in this area who believe that. That's true. You bring them because I'm going to show you something that they don't know. And when I've taught this in the past, I have... So many of those people that will run to the altar to receive the Holy Spirit because they've never heard this before. Please come here and be a part of that. The other thing I will sh- uh, share is I appreciate Pastor Lane. Of course, Pastor Ray, you guys are just, we're having some, we're having too much fun. <laughs> and uh, I just love him so much. And, and just, uh, I want to see a picture of you when you were 20. Do y'all have a picture? Who's the sisters? Do y'all have a picture? Because I want to see him because I know I would recognize him you know what I'm saying, if you drove me around, I don't forget faces but uh, this is the face that's what I'm saying, I'm trying to figure what you look like you know, you, you, you know what I'm saying, now now I'm not going to say that, I was going to tell on myself, but I won't tell on myself but uh, I want to see that, so if you can do that after service that would be cool uh, also our team, one more announcement, runs the CDs of the services all of them, and they have them in an album, we do that for your convenience if you'd like to get an album, please see them at our table. You can pick it up after service and you'll have it. It's a protective mm. album. Look, the picture on it is worth the album. <laughs> What's on it? I'm not going to tell you. Just go look at the picture. It's worth the album and <laughs> I'm just kidding. But anyway, we'd love to have you to keep this to where you can listen over and over again to the services. If you Go ahead and start the taping if you will. We always let them know when we are getting ready to minister. Have you ever said to God, I am going to break this habit and stop and two weeks later pick it back up? Have you ever had a, uh, I will call this a wait, or we will use a phrase that's not in the Bible, a pet sin, and you tell the Lord, that I'm going to stop it, and you do, and two months later, you become weak, and you go back into it. Have you ever had friends that you knew were not really the right friends? And you would promise God that you would separate from them, and you did, and then they texted you, called you, Facetime you, and you were back into hanging out with the wrong bunch again. Have you ever, first of the year, you know, New Year's resolutions should be banned. Because we just don't, we just don't keep them. Uh, We tell God we're going to lose weight, and we do for thirty days, and we gain it back in sixty. We tell God we're going to go to church more, and we do for the first three weeks, and we go back to the routine. We tell Him we're going to pray more. God, I'm gonna set aside time every day. This is my resolution. And cares come, and we forget till the next year when we renew it again—a renewed resolution. And you tell God that you're going to keep the fire that you feel and suddenly uh, six months later you look back and realize that you're back to the same rut. You may have what I call a chronic cycle. Okay. And um, you may be dealing with something that I'm going to call a chronic battle. And if you're not familiar what a chronic battle is, it is a repetitive cycle that you can't break. It can be a sickness. There are people that call, I think the term, I stand to be correct, may be hypochondriac, where people are always sick, and, and they get over something, but they're sick again. And they get over something, they're sick again. And you're saying to themselves, are they really sick, or are they just talking themselves into being sick? And you have people that have, and this is a real problem, they have manic depression. I mean, it's not you have a bad day. They just have, they have a bad life. Really, and they just they just stay depressed, and it's sometimes it's chemical, sometimes it's you know there's fa- factors that come into play. There are chronic struggles. If I have met people who have continuous economic problems, uh, they can't ever make ends meet. Always having to borrow money. Always having to borrow from the relatives. Always happen to you know have problems, habits, habits, just. They, just, they can't break Addictions, they can't break them. And, and I want to tell you the new addiction, and I'm not going to get on a hobby horse, but the new addiction is social media. Come on. Come on. I will tell you this. I, I see young people sitting at a table texting each other across the table. <laughs> it has been noted. Oh, my, Forgive me for getting on a rabbit trail and sidetracking, track, side- but it's been noted that Young people are getting married later that boys are married when they're 32, 35, 40. Girls are married when they're 25, 30, 35 years of age. The, the, it, we used, I got married when I was like 22 and my wife was 20, and, and, but they're marrying later. Now, there's a reason for some of them doing that. They don't know how to communicate with nobody. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I'm being very serious. When all you have done is this and you've got to sit at a table with someone and carry on a conversation and you don't know how to do it, talk to me. Then your relationships are not going to be built. I just want to say that's a little hobby horse of mine because they just came out with a study that social media and phones are reprogramming the brains of our kids. And they are addicted to it as real as a cocaine addict you want to punish your child, they would rather get whipped with 30 lashes than you take their phone for a week. I'm telling you the truth. My boy begged me one time, Daddy, whip me, lock me in the room, but don't take my phone. Because this is like an addiction cycle. Uh, the rest of you can just enjoy the message after I get off that, so it'll be alright. Insanity is defined by this. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's insanity. However, I was studying the Word of God and I found something very interesting in Scripture. That there is one chapter in the New Testament that has three chronic cases in that one chapter. You probably never heard it taught like this, but I want you to pay careful attention to the next few words I'm going to say. Because everybody in this room, every person in this room who is breathing is a body and a soul and a spirit based on 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Your body is your physical person, your soul is connected to your mental person, your spirit is connected to the spirit on the inside of you. And what I'd like to show you is in these three chronic cases in the Bible that Jesus had to deal directly with, one of them was a chronic case connected to the physical uh, body. A second one is a chronic case, com- con- con- case connected to someone's mental facility. And the third is a chronic case that is connected to something that we would say is spiritual or spirituality, I would tell you that these cases are found in Mark chapter five, one through twenty. This is the mental case of a man possessed by two thousand spirits. The second case is Mark chapter five, twenty-five through thirty-four, which is the physical case of a woman that had a hemorrhage that would not stop, called an issue of blood. And the third chronic battle, third chronic case is Mark chapter 5, 35 through 43, who was a young girl who died after an unknown time of extended sickness. Now, the reason I call this, uh, this chronic cases has to do with the length of time that the individual went through what they were dealing with until they encountered the delivering power of the Lord. The man of Gadara in Mark chapter 5, and we read about him in Luke chapter 8, 28, says this, that the man had devils long time, long time. This tormenting spirit was not just something that hit him and a week later Jesus shows up and delivers him. This is a spirit that had possessed him for a long time. The woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, verse 25, had a hemorrhage. Now imagine this, ladies especially, a running issue of blood for 12 years. This is nonstop. She is in a chronic physical battle, chronic physical pain for a period of 12 years. The little girl in Mark chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible said she is battling a sickness, But she eventually died. Now we are uncertain of how long she battled it. We are uncertain of the condition of the disease that took her at an early premature age. But nonetheless, these are chronic. Meaning, they didn't just come and get free. They didn't just come and go through something and it got better. These situations were getting worse as time progressed. They were getting worse as the issue continued, they were getting worse because one went from pain to sickness to death. That's as bad as it can get. So I would like to ask you a question, and I want you to think, it about, think about it in your mind. What have you been fighting for a long time? What is it that you uh, deal with that you don't tell people about? Because you would be quite embarrassed by the revelation of that thing to even some of your closest friends. What is it that tortures you and torments you that you medicate. You you take the medicine. You take the medication so that you don't have to think about it. So you do not have to deal with it. I deal with, I have a, it's not our ministry, we bought a huge house for a group called the Women of Hope and these are ladies that deal with uh, uh, different types of addiction. Some come in under alcohol addiction that led to drugs but most of them have a very serious drug issue. And I've asked them on different occasions. I've talked to Miss Connie and Brother David who were over it. And I said, I want you to tell me why people do what they do. Now, these individuals, one of them got off the program, off the program. This girl loved God. Her her and my wife would work in the garden down there below our little ranch. And go out there and she'd just take her hoe and she'd work that garden and sing to Jesus. But she went to a man's house. And this man had some real high-powered medicine, and she took it and didn't know it was going to kill her, and she dropped dead, and it was one of the most tragic things, and we've had two of those women who came out of there, there may have been three total, but two that have come out, most of them do great, but you have some that go into a setback, and see, when you've been delivered from drugs, and you've gone through 18 months of of deliverance, your heart cannot take a hit that sudden with the same drug you took before, and most people don't understand that, and that's why some addicts that go back to it end up dying when they go back to it after six years and seven years, because they're heart cannot take, their body cannot take what it previously was able to put up with. But Miss Connie uh, and Brother David said this, and I want you to hear my heart for just a moment in this issue. They have said that most of these women have a pain that's either an emotional pain or a mental pain, not always physical, but they have had bad relationships most of their life. They have a husband that beat them and abused them. They've had maybe numerous abortions and the guilt of that overwhelmed them. And said what happens to them is it's not that they are trying to kill themselves. It is not that they even see a big danger coming ahead of them. They are trying to medicate a pain. Are you listening, somebody? They're trying to medicate a pain. They're trying to medicate an emotion. And they think the deception of drug addiction is that you think that you are functioning Better because something has been numbed. Now, let me talk to you. I don't know why I'm on this, but I've got to stay on this for just a minute. You see, the reason that, 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 that I think the enemy would take a person into a high level of addiction, now track with me, is because you are made in the image and in the likeness of God. Every person in this building, body, soul, and spirit, it doesn't matter where you've got black hair, gray hair, brown hair, red hair, no hair. It does not matter if you're large, wide, short, skinny, tall. It doesn't matter. You're made in the image and in the likeness of God. And Satan despises the image of God. Now, track with me here. So if the devil is unable to overthrow and knock God off his jasper throne in heaven, if he is unable to pull Jesus down and throw him through the universe to a lower level, if he's unable to take on the Holy Spirit's anointing, then what he does is goes after the thing that God loves the most. And I'd like to tell you how much God loves you. For God so loved the world. That he Hallelujah. gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And thus is the enigma of iniquity and the enigma of why it, the enemy attacks. And here's the exposing of it. Because drug drugs alter the image of God in you. You are not you when you're on drugs you are not you when you're drunk you are not you i remember when my boy would come in high as a kite he was smoking dope taking pills and drinking jack daniels at the same time and it's a miracle of god he didn't end up dead but i remember him coming in and i look at him and say that's not my boy there's something that's got a hold of him that's altered that funny kid i like that that kid that's got dry humor that kid that can put you on the floor making you laugh and it took his humor away from him it took his joy away from him it took his desire for living away from him when your boy is a teenager and he looks at you and says daddy I feel like I want to die I want you to know that's not normal for a kid to look at their parents and say I feel like that I want to die but I come by to tell you the devil is a liar in the name of Jesus And I thought about this. I just This really came to me with dealing with these women one day. Satan hates that image of God. And when you are at peace, that's the image of God. And when you are talking about life and enjoying life, Jesus said, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's the image of God. The kingdom is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. When you have joy... That's the image of God. When you want to get with those grandbabies and hold them and, and play with them and you got a heavenly father in heaven that wants you to crawl up in his lap and worship him and tell him how good he is. That's the image of God. And when anything, and you better hear what I'm saying. I'm talking about anything. When anything comes to you and it takes out your joy and it takes out your peace and it wrecks your righteousness and it causes you to turn away from the father to where you hate getting up and you hate life and you separate from Your family, and you want to live in isolation, and you want to lock yourself in a bedroom where nobody's talking to you, and you don't want to communicate and have a relationship with the people that loves you. The enemy is trying to put you in a death cycle. He's wanting to put you in a death spiral. He knows that if he can separate you and isolate you and separate you from the people who care about you the most, he will eventually get you high and take you out, and there'll be nobody to rescue you. There'll be no knock on that door when you're by yourself. There'll be nobody around when you're in the car by yourself, but I've come by to say it. I'm gonna say it again. There is a God in heaven who said, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is a devil wrecker. Come on, I said, Jesus is a devil wrecker, Jesus is a demon stalker, Jesus is the only one who is able. Now, I'll get back on my message, but I've got to tell you this. The, uh, the other side of addiction, you must understand, is what I'm about to tell you. And I'm not talking about people, please understand this, who legitimately have to take medicine. There's heart medicine, there's high blood pressure medicine, diabetic medicine, there's different uh, cholesterol medicine. There's medicine that is legitimately taken to help, to help you with the symptoms of what you're dealing with. We're not talking that. We're talking about meth, we're talking about heroin, talking, yes. about talking about cocaine, talking about alcohol. Yeah. These things that alter you. Let, let, me, let me talk to you about this for, for just a minute and see if you can track with me on this. Connie and David have talked about this, and I've noticed this in people that we've talked with who've fought in battle addiction. They say, what we desired to do is to... Take something to numb us. We wanted to be numb. We wanted to not feel anything. Just, just kind of walk around like a zombie and you know, we don't think about the kid we lost. We don't think about the divorce we went through. We don't think about the fact we got out of jail, we don't have a job. We we, we don't want to think about abuse. We just want to block it out. So to them, to the uh, to, to the addict. And look, I'm talking to somebody here who's addicted. I know this by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, so this is for you. But they say, if we can be numb, then we don't hurt. And if we don't hurt, we don't feel the pain. And if we don't feel the pain, we don't have to live in the reality. But I want to show you the flip side, or I call it the dark side of Satan. Because listen carefully. The only thing that sin has that is attractive, I'm going to say it again. The only thing, the only thing all sin has in common that is attractive is the feeling it creates. Well, let me just talk to you since you don't understand it. People don't commit adultery because they don't have anything better to do. Adultery has a feeling.
1: Yes. Yes.
4: But don't preach to us. We're not adulterers. No, but you have sex with your wife. And your husband. Hello. Oh, you said the S word. Yeah, and if you look at me like that, I'll go deeper. <laughs> but let me say this. If there were no feeling attached, it would lose its desire. Cocaine, you get a hit. Whoa! Yes. But if cocaine had no hit on your brain to make you feel like you're floating in the air, nobody would take it. I can go through everything that ha- is a connection to the sin nature of man and tell you the only reason it works is it has a feeling. So let me just say it to you this way: This is how this is how the writer of the Bible would say it. The pleasure of sin for a season. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. So the pleasure of sin is not the repercussion that happens after you're laying in the gutter, after you've lost your license from drunk driving, after you've been in prison. That's not the feeling that the enemy wants you to see. Talk to me now. That's true. But what he wants you to see is the pleasure that lasts for a season. But watch this. You've got to hear this. This is a revelation the Lord gave me. He said, son, I want to show you from Satan's perspective why he wants to keep people numb. I said, speak on, Lord. He said, because if the sinner is numb, neither can they feel the conviction of my spirit. Because most people who've ever come to know the Lord that really had a radical conversion will tell you it was the Spirit of God that came to them while they were sitting there that put the weight of their own future on them. Showed them their possible destiny in eternity. Here's how the Bible says it. Godly sorrow. And how many of you know grief and sorrow are an emotion? Yes. You don't believe it? Go to the funeral of your loved one that just died and see how you feel looking at them knowing you'll never see them again. There's grief and sorrow connected with death. It is an emotion. And the enemy, what he does, and I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm telling you, I went off track with this message for a reason. And the Spirit of God knows why. The enemy is trying to keep somebody in this room high and addicted In the deception of thinking that you cannot function unless you were in that addiction. So you have to remain in what you are doing in order to maintain a lifestyle. And in reality, what those substances are doing is creating a numbness. Now hear me, where when the Spirit of God comes into a service, you don't feel nothing. When conviction is upon you, am I talking to somebody who's been there before? Am I I talking to somebody that's been through what I'm preaching? That when the Spirit of God comes to you and people are saying, baby, why don't you pray? I don't feel like praying. Sweetie, can't you feel what I'm saying? Here they are weeping around you, crying around you. The anointing is all around you. And yet you're looking at them with glassy eyes like a deer in headlights and you don't feel nothing. But I'm going to tell you how I'm going to tell you how powerful God is. I'm just going to stop right here and give you a story that I'll go back to my little mini message on, on chronic battles. I'm going to tell you how powerful the God we serve is. When Floyd Lahan would preach up in Chicago, Illinois, for Brother Steele, Brother Steele had a downtown church, and all of Brother Steele's people were former street people, drug addicts, and alcoholics. Brother Steele had a little old church, but it was packed with people. And they'd have revivals sometimes in the winter because, believe it or not, way up north, they come out better in the winter than they do in the summer. It's really true. And so they were having a revival with Brother Lahan, and Brother Lahan said Brother Steele had a custom that when a sinner man would come down to the altar, he didn't care what he looked like, he didn't care how bad he was, he'd walk down there and hug him and kiss him right on the cheek. Some someone said, that's a little weird. No, it's not, because some of those people had never been loved. They'd been abused all their life. And when they felt a man hug them like a papa and kiss them on the cheek, they would all break down because they felt love for the first time. Are you hear what I'm saying? Yes. And everybody in that church had been kissed on the cheek and hugged by him at some point and they're all saved full of the Holy Ghost and the power of God. And Brother Lahan said, I used to go back every year and I said, now Brother, still where's that couple and that couple and that couple? He said, oh, they got, they got blessed financially. They live in the suburbs now. They got good jobs. And these are people that were living on the street. One night, as Lahan is preaching, the door swing open and this pack, and when the door swing open, he looks and there's an old man with hair all the way down the back of his leg. He's got a a beard that is just totally matted, and you listen to me, he smells like manure and vomit at the same time mixed with alcohol. And when he opens the door, the smell is so bad that the people turn in the entire church because the wind is blowing, they they turn in the entire church, and people in the back start making faces, and these are people who've been on the street. This man comes, looks around, plops down on the back seat. So when Lahan got through preaching, he gives the altar call. This old man, old man, blue old beard, covered with hair, had hair hadn't been cut in months, beard hadn't been shaved in probably maybe even years, hair down the back of it, he comes walking down like this. And everybody's waiting to see what Brother Steele's going to do because this man smells worse than anything they've ever smelled in their life. And the man gets, usually Brother Steele's already meeting him when they're walking down the aisle. Steele is still sitting up there. Halfway down the aisle, he's still sitting up there. The guy gets near the front, and the church is just waiting wanting to see what Pastor's going to do. And Pastor, in his mind, is thinking, I can do this, but I can't do it with this man. I am almost about to throw up and gag. And then he got to thinking, what would Jesus do? And they say, Lahan said, he jumped off the platform, ran down there, draped himself on the guy's shoulder. And the church had never done this, like this. Usually they clap and hallelujah. They jump to their feet and start hollering and screaming. Because they knew how tough it was for him to do that. They prayed for that man. The man wept and cried and left. Now, revival continued on. And the next night, the next night, a man walked in and he had a suit on. And he's sitting in the church service. And when he came to the front to shake hands with Brother Lahan, the pastor, he looked at them and they said, well, sir, good to have you tonight. Where are you from? He said, well, I'm from here. He said, is this your first time? He said, no, I was here last night. He said, oh, you were? We didn't see you. He said, oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> he said, I'm that man you prayed for. They said, you can't be the man. The man we prayed for last night was 80 years old. He said, oh, no, I'm in my 50s. He said, "Sin made me look that way." Yes. He said, "When I got saved, I went and got my hair cleaned up, got a haircut." He said, "I used to be a businessman in this town," and he said, "I got on alcohol, and it lost my family, lost my business, and lost everything I had." <laughs> but he said, "Last night, when that preacher, for preacher, when you grabbed me and you kissed me on the cheek, the devil came off of me. The <laughs> chains broken. <laughs> my God, the chains broken me." it be the name of the king of glory. Hallelujah. See, can I, can I stop and tell you and may I say this in the love of God that we have come to a generation of first generation preachers who are trying to make everybody seeker sensitive and they're trying to please the people instead of the Holy Spirit and what's missing in the church today is radical conversion. <laughs> Look, if you don't mind... If you don't mind, I want to preach this for just a minute. Nowadays, I know of churches. I don't preach there because they wouldn't have me preach there. But I know of churches. This is the fact that when you go back into the green room, they got whiskey and wine and beer waiting on you. Overseas, some of the biggest name churches do this. And they get dog drunk in the back, having a time saying, let's celebrate what the Lord has done. Listen, when I remember people getting saved, you didn't go home and say, God saved me tonight, honey, get me. let's celebrate get the wine out. Now, the people that got saved, when I remember, dra- drained the wine down the, s- <laughs> drained the beer down there, got rid of the pornography, got rid of the drugs, flushed it down the toilet. And I'm telling you, I'm tired of a gospel that doesn't have the pill that will save people, the pill that will deliver people, the pill that will help people. My I tell you There's still power in the name of Jesus. There's still power in the blood of the Lamb. There is still radical conversion that you walk out and you say, I am a new creation. I am a new creation. God help me. I'm going to lose my Holy Ghost mind if you don't help me praise the name of Jesus in this house tonight. See, see, you see, I want you to understand. I want you to know. I want you to hear this, that the God who who exists can be felt. I got so tired of people saying, well, it's not about emotion now. It's not about feeling. No, it might not be about emotion, and it might not be about feeling. But when Jesus touches you, you're going to feel it. some of smart alec ago said, I've read the entire New Testament, and I didn't read one time where Jesus jumped, hollered, spin, ran, and did all that stuff you Pentecostals do. And I thought for a moment, I said, you know what? I think you're right. Then I said, he didn't do it, but everybody he touched did. The lame man leaped. The blind were screaming. The dead were hollering when they, how oh, oh, how Glory to the name of my... So I don't. I don't know who. I don't know who needs to hear this. I don't know. I don't know who needs to hear this. But take this and get some faith in your spirit, and get get some faith in your heart. Let's let us look for the next two to three minutes at the individuals. The woman with the issue of blood was in a cycle what do i mean by that not not literally but she had an issue of blood for 12 years she had an issue of blood for 144 months or 4380 days a issue this does not mean that she went through a rough monthly period. This means every single day. She's there's spots of blood every single day. She can't get it to stop. And the word suffered. The Bible says in the King James, she's suffered many things in many physicians. That word suffered is an odd, it's an old English word, but in Greek it means painful sensations. That she's going to doctors, and all it does is create painful sensations. Twelve years she spent everything she had going to the med, And back then they didn't know how to cure these things. And they went, but she go to doctors and try this, and try this cure, and some cures we would call today uh, quack cures. nothing No evidence it would work, but mix this with that, and drink this with that, and put a little herb in that, and she just was not getting better, but the Bible said she grew worse. But I want to key up on the fact of how the King James says, or the Bible says, she had an issue of blood. Didn't say she had a hemorrhage, but she had an issue. Now, I want to tell you that there are people in this room that are having chronic issues, Issues. And if you don't deal with your issue, your issue is going to deal with you. What is an issue by definition? It's uh something that goes forth from you. Something that flows out of you. That's the definition of the issue of blood. It flows out of you. May I tell you that the Bible says out of the heart proceeds. All the negative things, all the sins of the flesh, the Bible tells you, proceedeth out of the heart. May I tell you, your issues are in your heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so, so think for a moment. Let's just we're gonna we're gonna take these and compare it to people today. An issue. You've got to deal with the issues. She had to deal with the issues. She had a repetitive cycle for 12 years of the same issue, and she wanted somebody to. To help her get rid of that which was continually flowing from her that needed to stop flowing from her. And the only way you're going to do that is to change something and bring healing Somewhere. The second one, the second individual, was the man in the graveyard. And uh, scholars are, com- are very intrigued by this man because it says he has a home. When he was healed, Jesus said, go back to your home. And he had a home somewhere in the area. And I do not where really, I don't know if this comes from early church fathers. I don't know if this comes from early church documents. But some suggest he was a successful man in business, in the community. And that he snapped. Something snapped in his mind. And it drove him away from home, away from family. And he started living. Graveyard. Now, how can this man, according to your Bible, be possessed by two thousand? Demon spirits, here's the answer, I'll give it to you in 30 seconds. They did not embalm people in that day. They buried them with the blood still in their body. Therefore, when the demon spirits who possessed the dead person, they remained in or near that body. They buried people in tombs. The man is living in the tomb, so everybody possessed with a demon. When the demon went out, found somebody to go into after the person had died. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people buried in these tombs because I've been in them in Israel, the the excavations, I should say. So, So he's getting possessed by people, now watch this, that have died, who were possessed by demons, and the demons have nowhere to go, so they're going into a man who the Bible says is living among the tombs. Notice it's something from something dead that is still activated after something Dead has ceased, yet something is still activated that is keeping this man controlled by spirits, and I want to remind you that a, and, and let's talk about this graveyard, that a graveyard is only a place of memories, that in a normal graveyard, life does not exist in that graveyard except the person standing that's living, that's looking at the grave, and so this you, you cannot, I'm going to say it this way because I want to make it practical, but you cannot live in the past memories and expect a deliverance. Because what will happen to you, what will happen to you is the entire time that they are praying for you, you will say, well, you know why I'm this way? Because my daddy did this to me. And you know why I'm this way? Because my mama left me. And you know why I'm this way? Because my siblings always talk bad about me. And you know that my stupid cousin molested me when I was just a kid. And if you live in memories, and this man is in a graveyard surrounded by dead bones, that only were memories of a life that once was. And you cannot go back. I'll just say it this way. Aren't you glad God does not consult your past to determine your future? <laughs> because if he did, most people would be exempt from anything. They'd be equipped not the right word, but most people would be just cut off from anything that they could do. Now, this man is doing two things. Watch carefully and we'll get to number three. He's cutting himself with stones. He's a cutter. I don't know if you're aware of this, but this generation cuts themselves. I see kids at Warrior Fest. We have 4,000, 5,000, another 4,000 show up, and you'll watch their arms, and they'll have you know, have cut marks on their arms. And I asked one, one time, you know, we were, we were talking to some people, why do kids cut themselves? And they did an interview with kids who cut themselves. And are you ready for this? Are you? Now, because when they cut themselves, there's a release of a certain thing in the blood. But the thing that the reason they cut themselves, you're ready for this, you're not going to believe what I'm about to say, to make sure they're still living. I said, that doesn't make sense. What do you mean to make sure you're still living? They said the pain of where they're living and what they're dealing with and the molestation by their stepdad every day and the fact that the mom won't report it and the fact that mom and dad are on drugs, it's so painful for them that they go dead and numb and they get depressed and they cut themselves just to make sure they're still living. This man is the first cutter in the Bible. He's cutting himself with stones. You know why he's tortured by a spirit? Read the scripture. And then the Bible says this, that when the spirits came out of him, they went into the swine, the wild pig, the boar. And there are wild pigs to this day in the upper Galilee. It's kind of strange. It must be the descendants of these ones that died. But they're there. And they they went into the pigs. And I want you to notice this. That the spirit that was on the man, if you'll check it out, was a spirit of suicide because he's cutting himself and the devil's trying to kill him. That's why. You can't cut yourself with those stones because they're limestone. It's not volcanic rock. It's not flint rock. It's limestone. I've been to the cave where the man was. I've been to the area where the graveyard was. It's limestone. It's very hard to cut yourself on soft limestone. You can chisel soft limestone. That's why they they made the tombs. They cut the tombs out of the limestone. And so the man's trying to cut himself with a weapon that, that is ineffective. If he'd have had a weapon that was effective, he would have already killed himself. But when the demons came out of the man, the pigs had no willpower, and the pigs literally went so crazy that they drowned themselves in the sea. Think about this. And so they did what the man didn't do. The man was unsuccessful in his suicide attempt, but the demonic uh, pig, the pigs had no willpower, and so when the de- demons went crazy in them, they literally uh, drowned themselves in the sea. Are you listening somebody? So the spirit that was controlling the woman was an issue, an issue of blood. That which was controlling this man was a spirit of suicide and depression. And then the third one, very quickly, this daughter, this daughter that is suddenly sick, and all of a sudden, something takes her out prematurely. Oh my, help me, Holy Spirit. And when Jesus shows up, and I, gotta, I may be getting ahead of myself in the conclusion of this message. But when Jesus shows up to deliver this girl and to raise her from the dead, he says, oh, she's just sleeping. And they mock him. Now, watch what happens. They mock him. And so what Jesus immediately did, he demanded That every unbeliever and every mocker get out of the room where him and that girl was. May I suggest to you that there are times for you to get your full deliverance. you got to get the skeptics out of your life who don't believe God can do anything for you. When you start talking deliverance, baptism of the Holy Ghost, salvation, and you've got that dead spiritual relative who's telling you, I don't believe in none of that. You just need to say, just for a second... In the next 30 seconds, you need to know I'm going to hang up and I will not be talking to you for a long time till God really sets me free because I will not have unbelief spoken over me when I know that I have a God that's able to sometimes to get delivered from a chronic problem. you got to get the chronic complainers out of your life. Let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. (laughs) You, you, can become, you can become so used to negative people and so used to chronic complainers in your life that you never expect your breakthrough. You just don't believe it's going to happen. I just want to talk to you about worship for a moment. Can I just throw worship in here? Uh, it's difficult. If you read the New Testament, it's difficult. It's difficult to freely worship sitting with Pharisees. people who are self-righteous, who know it all. I was here before the pastor was. I'll be here when he's gone. (laughs) Me and my family built this church, and how dare you tell us how to run it. Hello. And you'll discover that when Jesus had Pharisees in the church service, that it was difficult for anybody to worship because when they tried to, when a woman poured expensive ointment on the feet of Jesus and cried and washed his feet with tears, Judas, who had a backslid Pharisee spirit on him, said, why don't you think we should have sold that and given the money to the poor? He'd have made a good board member from some churches I have preached in. Because... Let me just tell you a story, because in my earlier days, I went to churches where the place was packed. Of police are directing traffic, and night after night, we're having big revivals, and the pastor would say, this offering's going toward the evangelist. And it got toward, half of it got toward me, not all of it. And here I'm getting into the month of December. I have no income coming in, and a church holds back half the income because it went toward me, because a bunch of old crankified board members sat up there and said, should we not hold back? don't want me to tell you what happened to those churches who did that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there because it would sound like I'm being a little bit arrogant with it, a little bit bold, a little bit puffed up, and I'm not. But i am come by to tell you that If there are people in your life and you're trying to walk with God and they're hindering you and you're trying to serve God and they're fighting you and and they are, I'm not talking about leaving your husband, leaving your wife and throwing your kids in the garbage can and walking off for somebody else. I'm telling you though, if they are friends in your life and they are not encouraging you and they're not saying to you honey, if that's your thing, go for it. If they're not speaking life over you, they're going to speak death over you and I've come Somebody tell somebody that Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Why don't you get away? Why don't you get away from some blood-sucking ticks and start hanging around some life-speaking people who will speak life over you that God is going to help you get out of the mess that you've been in. Now, somebody needed to hear that right there, and you just need to go ahead and praise him. Hallelujah. So here's what Jesus did. I'm almost done, but here's what Jesus did. Number one, with the man, he rebuked the demons. You foul spirit. Come out! It's Rebuke. And the man was delivered. With the woman with the issue of blood, she touched the hem of his garment. So it was contact through faith and through the authority that Jesus had. So she made contact in faith with his authority. And we could say today that laying on of hands is making contact with the anointing, with the authority that Jesus has given the body of Christ. The woman, the little daughter who had died, he spoke life. He commanded her, come back from the dead. Now, there's two things involved here. There's two things involved in most deliverances from anything. Number one is, well, three. Number one is faith. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, it shall be made whole. That was faith. You have to believe. Faith is believing. You just have to believe. God's going to do this. I'm tired of this. God's going to break this through for me. I I want this. I want this. I want this more than anything else. God's going to deliver. The second thing you have to believe and you have to understand is the power of the prayer of resisting the enemy and rebuking the enemy. So there's a faith involved and there's a prayer involved. Then the Bible says this, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now there's another level here that I want to talk about for just a moment. I'm going to, get, I'm going to tell it in a story. And that is the power, the internal supernatural power of this book, the book, the Bible. And if you can read it and get it out of your head and into your spirit amazing deliverances will begin to happen automatically. I'm going to try to go from memory. I usually do this with notes, but I think I can go through most of it. Many, many years ago, there was a man named Clyde Thompson whose family was dedicated Christians. They would go to church every Sunday and invite him to go, but he would always go hunting or fishing. He never did want to go to church, wasn't interested in church. Kind of was mocking toward church. Parents went to church, came home only to find the police officers there late in the evening arresting their son because he had murdered some people while he was hunting. Actually shot him, not by accident, on purpose. They charged him with murder and sent him to Huntsville, Texas, which is a big federal prison area. I preach in Huntsville every year. I've, I've seen these prisons. And they sent him there, and while he was uh, uh, in prison, and actually they were going to put him on death row, he was in prison. While he was in prison, he killed two more men. And the warden had a meeting and said, This man's not safe in the general population. He's not safe around anybody. He is absolutely mentally crazy. They took a morgue room that was in the prison. The morgue had no windows, no lights. It had one door with a little opening. They took all his clothes off, stuck him in his underwear. That's all he was allowed to wear and gave him no pencil, no book, no writing material, no television, no nothing, and the only thing he saw was light six hours a day coming through a hole. They still had to feed him. And when they would place his food on that window, sometimes he would spit at the guard, and sometimes he would throw the food back at him. They hated him. They couldn't wait for the day that he got the electric chair. One, after months of having your underwear with no clothes and no book to read and no TV and no one to talk to, a Christian guard felt pity for him. And opened the hole and said, Clyde, listen to me. He said, I want to do something, but you got to make me a promise. And he said, what's that? He said, I'm going to give you a Bible. If you will promise me you won't rip it up, I'll give you something to read, but it's going to have to be a Bible. And you can come over here where the light is and you can Open this little window, it was a little opening, and you can read your Bible through this hole. You'll have, about, you'll have about six hours a day. And Clyde said, give it to me, I'll read it. Start reading it. What he would do, he'd read it for six hours, and then in the dark, preach it back to himself and start talking to himself about what he read. So he started memorizing the Bible, and then he started asking himself questions about it to find the answers and this went on for months and months and months. Well, finally, the Christian guard, he would carry on a conversation. He said, let me ask you something. I was reading over here about so-and-so. What do you think about that? And the Christian guy had some knowledge. He'd answer him back. So months and months and months went by, and the Christian guy said, you, you guys, you notice a change in that Thompson guy? They said, yeah, he don't spit on us. He don't cuss us out. I have not heard no profanity. He's not raving like a maniac. In fact, he's actually talking sensible. And I said, every time we come by, he's, sir, how are you? How are you guys doing today? hope you're having a good day. He said, it's like it's crazy. something's happened to him. They said, "You think he's faking?" They said, "They said no. They said he's reading that Bible." Hmm. So finally, they time went by, and they said, "Clyde, we want to do something. You seem like that you're changing in your heart. We're gonna put you back in the general population, but we swear if you do anything wrong, we're gonna stick you back in here." He says, "Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it." Took his Bible, took him back in general population, and in general population, he starts preaching to the general population. So men in the general population start getting saved. Well, the, the chaplain of the prison down there started noticing him, had a meeting with him, said, I've noticed you know a lot about the Bible. He said, that's all I've had to do. That's all the time I've had to read the Bible. Of course, he said, you believe in the Lord? He said, oh, absolutely. He said, yeah, in that prison, I, got, I really got to know him in that room. He said, my mom and dad were real good Christians, so I got a background in it. They said, Clyde, I think I can trust you. Would, you. would you help me? Would you become like an assistant chaplain if I train you? <laughs> this guy's murdered four people on death row. Okay. And finally, listen to this, finally he became the chaplain's assistant. He became so good at being the chaplain's assistant, they started letting him loose through the whole prison. He could leave general population, go out there with the guard. He, they just started letting him loose. Then he started a prison chaplain ministry of his own in the biggest prison system in Texas, which was the Lubbock County Prison System. And won hundreds of men to Jesus. And in 1979, he finally died and was honored by the men and the chaplains. A murderer, man. Totally changed. All because, you know what he did? He got in the Bible, and the word is quick and powerful. And sharper than a two-edged sword. did Ha, ha. Ha, ha. My, my 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 closing remarks for you this morning is, there is an answer to chronic battles, and that is your faith in God. Your your knowledge of the Word, the rebuking and resisting of the enemy, and the power of the Holy Spirit that can come that quick. I want to do this right. I know it's Sunday morning, and I know you know most of the time. We're all different on Sunday morning. We come Sunday night, we're hooping and hollering. But I want to say this. Someone, someone here needs this word. And someone here, while I have been preaching, I got on this, that one part, that one part, that's not, that was not in my notes at all. And I know the spirit of God leads you in a different direction when people are there that need something particular. I want those of you, and I want the prayer team to get ready. I want all the ministers and the staff to get ready. I am going to ask you, first of all, we're going to start praying. And as I start praying, if you need this message and you need God to break a chronic problem, come out of your seat, because everybody will be seated. You can make it out. Come up to the front of this building while I'm, I'm praying. This is the moment. I won't have a second altar call unless the Lord says so. This is the moment. You must do it right now. Would you come in the name of Jesus Out of the seat where you're at. And if you don't want to come by yourself and you want to bring somebody with you, that's perfectly fine. But start coming. The church, start praying with me out loud. I'll call the altar workers up in just a minute after the people get down. Father, I come to you right now. This is very, it's a really important message. And I absolutely know in my spirit somebody's going to get help. Somebody's going to receive deliverance. Somebody's going to receive the power of God to set them free. Do it in the name of Jesus. I love the way people are coming and just kneeling down at the altar. Now, now, is everybody here? Is everybody here? Now, I need at least 30 church folks, staff, secretaries, altar workers. Get down here and get behind these and start praying with them. I'm going to pray for them in a moment, but I want you down here right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every one of you that are here, I want you to open up your mouth and open up your heart. I want you to cry out to the Lord. I want you to ask God for help. I want you to ask God for help from addiction. I want you to ask God for help from bondages. Everybody stand to your feet. I tell you, there's there's something happening here right now. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Start praying with me loud. Start praying with me. Start praying. Jesus abadete bareka shela bar. Kila la landa baradada dada baba kasheta taraba. Yelo lolo baradati kasala karama mata. Borakoseti karbatol tele mareste. de de barekesela ta kesi. Su romondo robe beronde pete cosa. Father in the name of the Lord Jesus right now by the spirit of God I come to you Father on behalf of every man and woman and young person that is here I come to you right now in Jesus name God that the yoke is going to be broken I come to you right now God that the bondage oh my God is going to be broken in Jesus name open up their heart God loose their spirit right now come on everybody in the altar lift up your voice and begin to pray right now Lift up your voice and begin to pray right now in Jesus' name. I loose you in the name of Jesus. I release you in the name of Jesus. Be set free by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. Don't, don't, quit, praying. don't quit praying. Obey God. Lift your hands and pray with them, everybody. Come on. Lift your hands. There
1: is power. In the name Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power.
4: them right now seek the face of God right now with them be delivered in the name of the Lord be set free in the name of the Lord be helped in the name of the Lord Jesus in your name do it Lord
1: We praise you, Lord. We praise